morning. Well, today I want to speak about the heart, the heart of man, the heart of woman, boy, and girl. Um, so open your Bibles over to the 139th Psalm, if you will. Some powerful words are recorded there in Holy Scripture. And I'm going to invite everybody to rise to your feet. I'm going to read God's Word, only the two verses, verses 23 and 24, but we'll talk about other verses within the context of the 139th chapter. As we stand, we just basically say, Lord God, we submit to you. We stand on the Word of God, and we believe it. Listen to Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is God's Word for the people of God. This is God's Word that I believe can change and transform our lives and make us different and make us new and make us ready for heaven. And God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Well, today we're going to talk about this 139th Psalm, and we're going to zero in on the 23rd and 24th verse. Search me, O God. I would call him the divine investigator. God is omnipresent, He's omniscient, He is sovereign, He is God, He knows all. To think that we could hide from God and pretend and get away with something is just absolutely ludicrous. And let's look at this message truth right there at the top of your notes today. Look with me. Our God invites us to leave our burdensome waves of heavy labor and sinful thoughts and deeds and find His healing at the cross. At the end of each service, we invite you to the crosses because we believe in the cross, in the presence of Jesus, there's healing, there's hope, there's deliverance. And then Dallas Willard said these words, I put in quotation marks, the greatest need of collective humanity is renovation of the heart. Dallas Willard is one of these really deep, uh, provoking writers, and he has a book about that. It's just uh, the, he wrote about the conspiracy of the heart too, but as he talks here about the renovation of the heart, he just really challenged me in, in some deep processes as we go deep into the inner man. And this week, I just have been thinking and praying for you and praying for this service that, God, would you take our hearts today and would you do something that only you can do, King Jesus? Would our hearts be pliable in your very presence today? Because, Lord, we're before you. We're created in your image. We have no one in heaven but you, God. But, Lord, today, if there's any pretense, if there's any pretending, if there's any faking it, God dismiss that from the house if lord if we're if we're rebels god help us clean it up by the grace of jesus but lord help us get after your heart so we're going to look at that this next illustration i want you to look here there it is as you get older and some younger people you go through situations you go to your physician your physician says you know i think because of you eating fried chicken four days a week and being heavy or because your heart history or whatever or pains or palpitations or whatever it is you find yourself there he goes I believe, or she says, I believe, I'm going to get you a stress test. We're going to order you one of those. And they hook all those monitors, and I haven't had one yet, but I know it's coming. And as they do that, they can diagnose the health of your heart. Many people have avoided heart attacks and, and probably premature death because they found out they had blockage or whatever. And some of you in this room have been for stress tests, and some will go. But the stress test, they, they load it up, and you find out how healthy is the heart. And they can diagnose the health of that very close and know if there needs to be medication or surgery or whatever or change of diet and exercise and always involves that, doesn't it, church? Because there's one thing about church people. We love to eat that gospel bird, fried chicken, don't we? Amen. There we go. 
So here it is. So we, we know that. But then God says, I want to know about the spiritual heart. King David, David knew a lot about God. He was a shepherd boy. He'd go out in the fields and he would watch the sheep and he would worship God and he would play upon his harp and he would sing songs unto the Lord. He led armies. He was a great leader. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own. Even though he had been an adulterer and a murderer and a liar and a multitude of sins, he got it right, got clean. And God says, you're my boy, David. And yet he knew what it was to have a wrong, sinful, wicked heart. We all find ourselves in that place. None of us is good, not even one. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this right here, he just begins to reveal to us in, in the heart. This morning, if we had the ability to bring you in 101 into this room and it just had some worship music going and we had a, a, some Mac chords and we hooked you up and up on that screen came up all your sins and all your thoughts and all your patterns of what you were going through, would that not scare you to death? You're like, yeah. How about if we did it in public worship? And we just scanned a section, and we scanned a section, and we scanned a section, and then we scanned this one. And then the church would close next weekend. Because nobody will want to be that exposed. But I'll assure you, heaven, the Father, He knows exactly what we're up to. He knows exactly what's in our heart. He knows what our thoughts are. He knows what our moves are. He even knows the motives and the motivations and the intentions of our heart. And yes, God even knows our bad attitude, and He still loves us. Isn't that amazing? Does anybody ever have a bad attitude? You know, when sometimes you're just a grump and everybody knows it but you, and you know you're a grump, you just don't want to admit it because somehow that would find you guilty. Well, this morning, the psalmist reminds us, Search me, O God, and see if there be any offensive way within me. In order that we might see more of God in 2009, we have to get right hearts. We have to get pure hearts. In the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew, I love what the Scripture says. It tells us that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I love that verse. I believe it's seeing God now in the kingdom. And it's definitely that we see now in part, now we, then eventually we should see in, in full. How many of you look forward to that day when you see King Jesus and all his glory and his majesty and all that he is, the one that died for us? Amen. Put your hands together and just praise him. I look forward to that day. This seeing in part is kind of a little tough, but, you know, good deeds don't mean a pure heart, do they? Tithing even, that didn't mean a pure heart. Teaching, being in a small group, singing on a worship team, preaching, none of that makes for a pure heart. In the Hebrew text, when they talk about heart, they talk about core the center of the man, the center of a person, your very existence. Joseph Stoll, that used to be president of Moody, said, it's the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. And there we find desire, how deliberate we are, and where we decide. That's what comes from the heart. It's the very central part of the person. And when we say that is the existence, the core of who we are, we just... Is old southern boy says, we just shucked it down to the cob. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's a good southern term. If you're not from the south, you're like, we talking about shucking it down to the cob. Well, I just shucked it to the cob for you. That's what it is. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, a very familiar verse, it says this. Watch over your heart with all diligence. From, from, from it flow the springs of life. One translation says, from your heart flow the very issues of life. Our heart reveals 
who we are. Our heart reveals the character of God. Our heart needs to be fixed upon Jesus. The Bible tells us to fix our hearts, to set our hearts on things above, and we'll be guarded in Christ Jesus. And that's where we find purity and holiness in the ways of the Father. So number one, four truths about the heart. You're ready to write. Number one, it is possible to be deceived in your heart. I know that from the prophet Jeremiah over in the 17th chapter, the ninth verse. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can tame the heart? The heart is wicked. And people all the time go, oh, bless the heart, bless the heart. And, they, and you go to funeral services, and you know, man, they were a scandal. They were a pretty wicked person. They go, oh, but they had a good heart. I just want to throw up. If I could command vomit, come forth, I would. I know you're going, Keith. Well, you know what? Basically, we're just wicked. We get redeemed, and Christ begins to transform our heart. But all this trying to fake it go, oh, they had a good heart. I mean, they can murder somebody go, he had a good heart. Good heart, good heart. People don't murder people. Good heart, people don't go and steal stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus talked about this in other places I'll tell you in a minute. But somehow we want to pretend. God says, get through with the pretending. Get real with me. Be authentic. That secret life of sin, that, that sin that you think is hidden, lay it on the table. I read one time it says, our sin is open scandal in heaven. Whoa! Even the things we think we get away with, but number says we sin and our sin will find us out. So it's possible to be deceived. You see, when you get under stress, it it shows really how weak or strong your heart is. And in the spiritual, it's the same way. When we come under sin and attack and the tough situations and circumstances of life, that really reveals inner man. It reveals who you and I are. And we think, well, but I'm healthy. Well, listen to, turn over to this one with me. Over to Isaiah, the 29th chapter, the 13th verse. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. They come near. They sing songs. They talk the talk. They do the God stuff. But their hearts are somewhere down there on Chantilly. Their heart's down there somewhere in Eufaula. Their heart is far from me. And God says, draw near. See more of me. Get up your heart. Don't deceive yourself. Number two, a healthy heart loves what God loves. And an unhealthy heart has disordered here desires. It's, in other words, a heart that's not after Christ, it's not in the pursuit of Jesus, it's all over the page. It's all in the wickedness. It's in the acts of uh, unrighteousness. It, it's, it's just, you could just say, well, I could tell you what the sin is. Well, they're different for a lot of us. And yet, the one that says, God, I need salvation. God, desperately save me, deliver me, rescue me, as we sing about today. God, I need you. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, come and rescue me quickly. Because if you don't, God, I'm dark. God, I'll mess it up. I'll mess up the renowned name of the Lord God. I'll mess up your reputation, God. And God says, hey, I, I want to have holiness in the house. So this darkness of the soul. Does anybody ever get a little scared of the darkness that you have in your soul? If you've gotten honest with God, you probably are. First John chapter 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, does not come from the Father, but it comes from the world. 
And we know in Scripture the prince of the world is Satan, Lucifer, the devil himself. And God says it should not be. You go out into the world to be a witness. But don't be held hostage and caught up in the world because your heart and mind gets cluttered with desires and sometimes wrong desires. And the Bible says, you know, we should delight ourselves in the Lord and He'll give us desires of our heart as we delight in Him. And I'm just wondering this morning, if you're honest with Him and with yourself, are there some wrong desires in your heart? You know they're of sin, you know they're of the flesh, and you know God wants to clean them up. You don't seem to have a heart for him like you used to. You don't have a heart for the people of faith. You don't have a heart for people that are outside the confines of the church, of outside the cross. Irritating person at work. Do you have any of those in your life? They just irritate you. Financial pressure, temptations, all kind of things just begin to bombard us and come after us. The third point is this. God creates stress mechanisms called people. It's the most awesome thing in the church is the people. The people is what I gave myself to 27 years ago to become a pastor. I love people. People give me joy. People are contagious. People are awesome. Life change stories are just off the chart. But people can also keep me awake at night. People can stress me out. People can irritate me. Did I have a witness in the house? Do people bother you sometimes? Now turn to the person next to you and say, you bother me. No, 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 don't, don't do that. But you know, sometimes people just bother us. And they cause stress. And in that stress, some things happen. Like, if you really want to know what's in your heart, be driving down the road, somebody, they'll be flying down the road, and they come around you, and then they put on the brakes. And I got to come off cruise. You jerk. No, I don't say that, but I think it in my heart. Here's the one that gets me. I told him last service, and I'll tell you, this just, I hear my dad to this day. He said, son, the left lane is made for passing. Uh-huh. And I'm riding down the road making good time going somewhere, and I pull up behind somebody, and it is parking it on the interstate. Just putting along. I can't get around them. I start talking. In my spirit, unless I'm by myself, I have been known to talk out loud. And I'm sitting there, and I'm wanting to pass them, and they just they ain't got a care in the world. They're just taking it easy, just having a stroll. It's Tuesday. It ain't Sunday drive. I don't know why I'm saying that Sunday drive stuff. But they're just driving, and I want to come up to them, and I, here's the most unspiritual thing I do. I get up, and I start hitting my headlights, trying to let them know, get out of the way. If I had a bumper that wouldn't hurt them or me, I'd hit them in Jesus' name and say, go on! Because the left lane's made for passing. Now, that's just my sin problem. My heart's not real clean. I've had to repent many a time after a trip. You know, and Donna looked at him and said, it's bothering you, isn't it? I said, yeah, it is. They need to get a new driver's license. I mean, they need to get that one taken away. You know what I'm saying? And if I just convicted some of you, pray about it. Okay, let's go on. So, Jesus put it this way, what's in the heart comes out of man. It's an overflow. Ministry best happens as the overflow of your life. And what goes, it's not what goes into a man, it's what comes out of a man. It's what comes out of a woman. It's what comes out of a boy or girl. It's those inner cluttered junk traffic that is sinful and, and breaks the heart of God that Christ died for. And that just, like, here's what we say. 
you somebody makes you mad or something happens and you spout off and you say something and as soon as you say it you want to you want to pull those words back and then we say this I didn't really mean to say it or I know you close I didn't really mean it oh you meant it you just didn't want it to come out of your mouth so they could hear it do I, do I have a witness Howard that's too convicting brother okay the thing is it's in your heart. And all the time. And if there's love in your heart, that love just jumps out and expresses itself. And it's awesome to be loved by the body of Christ, isn't it, church? I love it, man. I just wish we all walked around and gave kumbaya hugs and loved everybody and praised the Lord. i got some kids up here. i got this one little girl. She lays her head back for her forehead, and I kiss her ten times every Sunday, little Abigail. And i got other little kids, and i got this one little boy. He comes up, and he gives me the biggest bear hug every week. He's going to break my ribs when he gets a little stronger. And it's awesome. I love that. But then sometimes we got junk in us and that comes out and that didn't honor Christ. But here it is. We need, Jesus says the overflow, that's what you're identified with. Jesus said there's bad fruit and there's good fruit and I want the good fruit. And I'll cut down that tree that doesn't bear fruit. And God says be identified, recognize me, give me worship, give me glory. In Matthew 12 it says, for out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The mouth just tells on the heart. That's all it does, just to tell us. The heart's not working well. We're destroying community. We're destroying other people. We don't have a right heart. But David says, God, I've got a small heart. Father, my heart's been reduced. My heart's tainted. My heart's corrupted. My heart's polluted. God, my heart's wicked. My heart's not right. I know about you, God. But I don't know a lot about me. What I do know about me, I don't like. God, change me. Transform me by the spirit of the living God. And he does. So what's inside us leaks out every time. Mark 7, 20 and 22 says, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For within, out, for from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. You want me to keep going? Well, the verse stops there. But basically you see the point. All kind of wicked, ugly, unrighteous acts and deeds and thoughts and intentions and motives of the heart flow from inside the heart and it expresses itself outward. Bad stuff erupts. Well, then some of us will go, you know, I just need more willpower. If I just try harder to be nice to those people that ride in the left lane. If I just try to be nicer to those people that irritate me. If I just try to do this, I'll be more like Christ. I decided a long time ago, willpower is much overrated. How about you? So today I'm turning to a, a, a child's book. Jennifer Murphy got this for me. The Frog and the Toad Together by Arnold LaBelle. Are y'all ready for story time? Because I wish this was family Sunday today, but it's not. But here we go. Ready? I'm going to read you a little story. This is some deep theology, so y'all hold on. It's called cookies. Toad baked some cookies, and these cookies smell very good, said Toad. And he ate one, a man after my heart. Anybody that used to go to Hardee's every day when Rachel was a baby knows they got a cookie addiction. Okay. And, did I just say that out loud? See, it, it, it Toad on me. And they taste even better, he said. So Toad ran to Frog's house. Frog, Frog, cried Toad. Taste these cookies that I've made. And Frog ate one of the cookies. These are the best cookies I've ever eaten, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many cookies, one after another. You know, Toad said Frog with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating or we'll soon be sick. You're right, said Toad. Let us eat one last cookie. 
And then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. And there were many cookies left in the bowl, Frog said. Toad, let us eat one very last cookie and then we will stop. And Frog and Toad ate one very last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad as he ate another. Yes, said Frog, reaching for a cookie. We need willpower. What is willpower, asked Toad. Willpower is trying hard not to do something that you really want to do, said Frog. You mean like try not to eat all these cookies, asked Toad? Right, said Frog. Frog put the cookies in a box, and there he said, Now we will not eat any more cookies, but we can open the box, said Toad. That is true, said Frog. Frog tied some string around the box. There he said, Now we will not eat any more cookies, but we can cut the string and open the box, said Toad. I love it. That is true, said Frog. Frog got a ladder. He put the box on a high shelf, and there said Frog, Now we will not eat any more cookies, but we can climb the ladder, take the box down from the shelf, cut the string, open the box, said Toad. That is true, said Frog. Frog climbed the ladder, took the box down from the shelf. He cut the string and he opened the box. Frog took the box outside and he shouted in a loud voice, Hey, birds, here are cookies. And the birds came from everywhere. They picked up all the cookies in their beaks and they flew away. Now we have no more cookies to eat, said Toad sadly. Not even one. Yes, said Frog, but we have lots and lots and lots of willpower. You may keep it all, Frog, said Toad. I'm going home now to bake a cake. I love this story, don't you? And that's what it is with willpower. Willpower always has good intentions, doesn't it? But when it's really said and done, only Jesus can change it. Only Jesus can transform a heart. Only Jesus can get the uncluttered yuck junk out of my heart. Yes, only Jesus can make me be nice when people ride in the left lane when I want to pass. What is your thing today? Jesus. He just wants to come in and do spiritual surgery and give us clean hearts. You can see that, that uh, physical stress test really reveals the heart. What's inside of man? The heart is revealed. One day Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and how their righteousness, they thought they had it all so right, but they really weren't about pursuing the kingdom. They weren't after a heart with God. In John 15, Jesus said, Abide in me, and as you abide in me, and me in you, you will bear much fruit. Remain in me, and you'll bear fruit for my Father. So who changes the heart? It's Jesus. It's not by willpower. It's by Christ. Psalm 139, back to the main text. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Those things that cause me anxiety and tension and, and frustration and sin. God, see if there's any offensive way in me. Something that I've harmed another or sinned against a brother or a sister or since I've sinned against you, God. And God, as you do that, now would you lead me in the way of everlasting joy and life? That's the heart of a father. So how do we do that? Number four, the father longs for us to have a heart that pursues him. And as we pursue Abba, as we pursue Papa, as we pursue our Heavenly Father, it always comes down to confession. First John 1 John 1.9 if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there has to be agreement, confession. The psalmist said, create in me, O God, a, a new heart and renew a right spirit within me, God. I want to be right with you. It was the aim. It was the goal. It was the heart. It was the passion of the psalmist. The practice confession in the heart gets transformed. Honest confession between God and King David brought about incredible spiritual leadership 
on this earth and in the kingdom of God. But if you read all of Psalm 139, which I have many times, and I read it one more time last night before I turned out the light to go to bed, you begin to read it, and it talks about the, the wonder and the glory and the awe and the majesty and the splendor of God. And then you get down there at verse 19, and it's like, what happened? Somebody took a turn. Listen to this. He's given all this about my frame is not hidden from you. you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. and You know my unformed body and God is great. And then listen to this. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty man. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. God, kill them. God, slay them. And most of us, what do we do when we read that? We skip over that section. And we want to go to the next section. But you've got to remember, culturally, this was a day and age they always carried spears. They were out for quick vengeance. They were out for quick justice. You sin, they might, if you were found in the art of adultery, they might go down and stone you in the square. Wow, what a different day. It's a different day that we live here, and I'm great for this. But then you get down to 23 and 24, and he goes, search me, God. God, I, I know there might be sin out here. But search me. I have a broken heart. I have a sinful pattern. I need transformation. The point B is solitude. Do you have a place every day that you run to meet with Jesus? I encourage you that in every way I know. Over this next month, I'm going to be writing all month. I ask you to pray for me. I meant to ask him last service, and I didn't do that. But pray for me. I'm, gonna, I'm finding places of solitude just to sit with my father and write. I'm so tired of talking about it. I'm so tired of answering. No, I ain't done anything. No, I ain't done anything. So this month, I'm going to be writing. So pray for me. The whole book is on prayer. Imagine that. Solitude. Show me the truth about my heart. This is what I know about prayer. Honest, heartfelt prayer is when I lay my heart before him, and I get honest, and I lay it before him bare, and I go do what you need to do, Jesus. And sometimes it's painful. You know what I'm talking about. It's very difficult to do. But where is that place that you still away to Jesus? Point C is cooperation. You just cooperate with the majesty and the wonder of God, and you go, God, you know me, now test me. God, I want to trust you more. I want to trust you more than I ever have. I want to have the capacity in my heart to be more. And point D is celebration. You just celebrate the, the wonder. You celebrate the freedom, the love of Christ. You begin to, to praise Him for who He is. You begin to stand in awe and, war, and wonder. And you praise Him in the sanctuary. You praise Him in your home. You praise Him in the community. But you worship Jehovah. Hallelujah, church. Have you done that lately? Have you just blessed God because He's God? Because He's good? Because His character is holiness? Because He's Redeemer? Because He's friend? Because He's rescuer? Because He's deliverer? When is the last time you just praise God? Not in the house of God. You just worshiped Him because He is God and you are not. Do I have an amen? Let's give you everything I got. I ain't got a lot more than that. Just God. I was out to dinner with Howard and Patsy and Jay and Lisa on Friday night. And we were just loving up on Jay and Don and I had an old student that came by and she's battling cancer. Been married less than a year. Young woman. And she came by, and I introduced her to some of the people at the table, and I said, I just want you to know, these are some of the prayer warriors that I get to hang around. And before, as soon as I said that, you know Jay Osserman. 
he told her, he said, hey, could you sit down? And she looked at him. She never met Jade till 30 seconds before. He said, you, 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 could you just sit down for a minute? Can we have prayer for you right now? Powerful. He lives this out, man. I want to praise God right in the middle. I'm not saying we go out in front of a restaurant and stand around and sing Kumbaya and, and do a big spectacle. But, man, when God puts it in our heart to pray, we need to pray. Right, church? There's a powerful thing. Celebration. Move to this quickly. The results of the Holy Spirit indwelling in the heart. Number one, it's heartfelt worship of Abba. You just honor God. You cry out to Him from an inner heart, a heart that's been radically changed, and you worship, and you give Him glory, and you give Him honor, and you ascribe to His worth and not your worth. And Colossians says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And as it does, you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude, with, with gratitude, and in your heart to God. From the heart, from the inner part, the core, the existence of man, where we really are authentic, we worship Him. Point two, we don't only worship this heartfelt prayer. We just pray, not some ritualistic pansy prayer. I'm talking about passionate from the heart, from the inner part of man. Have you been in those prayer meetings where you just knew God was right there and you were touching on the edge of His robe and you were crying out to heaven and you were seeking the power of the divine and you wanted God to intersect your life? Have you been there, church? I've been there so many times. I've been there on this platform. I've been here in this church. I've been there in my prayer closet. I've been here in this church with men and with women. And just, man, you just know the glory of God's going to come. And I've been in other prayer meetings. I thought, man, we're just going through a motion. We're just going through a ritual. We're just checking it off and checking it twice. Been naughty or nice. He's coming to come. Oh, no, that's no excuse me. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? We just don't get it. God says, get passionate. Pray. Psalm 119, 145. I will call with all my heart and answer me, O Lord, and then I will obey your decrees. I will follow you third. Wholehearted obedience to God. God always demands obedience. Give me understanding and I will keep the law and I will obey it with all my heart, God. So God, today, I ask you to touch my heart, touch the hearts of all that listen. In here, on the web, wherever they find this message. God, change our hearts, touch our hearts. God, let's go back to the psalm. God, search us today, oh God. Search us as a faith family, but search us one by one and know our hearts and test us and see if there be any anxious way or offensive way within us obedience not a half heart but a full press devotion to christ fourth and then it will result in wholehearted service for god god i want to serve you with my whole heart i want to get after it. i want to i want to just serve uh, romans 1 9 says god whom i serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness and how i constantly remember you but god you are the one i serve not man but i serve you jehovah serve you with all my heart. I go for it, God. I pursue you. So this morning, the question is, who are you serving today? I'm reminded of the words of Joshua, the 24th chapter, the 15th verse. As for me and my house, we will play. That's not what it says. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's the king. He's worthy of my devotion and my attention and my love and all that I have and all that I am and all that I want to be. The inward experiences of the renewed heart. Go there quickly with me. Number one, assurance. You get assurance when your heart gets right with Christ. First John 3.19 says, This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our heart at rest in His presence. In the presence of Jesus, there's a fullness of joy. In the presence of Jesus, things get made right. In the presence of Jesus, the heart gets right and it gets clean. 
and it gets renewed, and it gets rekindled, and it gets relit. There's assurance. Secondly, there's a love for God's Word. Over three decades ago now, I gave my heart to Christ. Jesus radically changed it. And besides changing my heart and changing my mouth, this is the number one thing he did. He gave me a love for his word, and I've never turned back. I talk to people all the time. They go, I'm a Christian. I go, you are? That's awesome. I said, tell me what you're reading in the Bible. Tell me about your quiet times. Do you spend time with the Lord? I don't read the Bible. Let me tell you, friend, when God changes the heart, he'll give you appetite for the word. The church said, you say, well, man, you don't have to. Hey, let me tell you, just fall in love with this book. Man, it'll change you. The third point is this, quickly, desire for holiness. You desire to get after it. You desire to pursue him. Psalm 1914 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, I want to be pleasing. I, I want to be holy. I want to pursue you, God. And the fourth one is, there is a desire for the salvation of others. And if we went up and down the road today, every one of us probably have lost people in our family, in our community, in our office, relationships. And we so want to see them at the feet of Christ. We so want to see them in heaven one day. We so want to see them living the abundant life in 2009. Right, church? Who are you crying out to God for? God, please change my heart, God. And as you change my heart, change others. Romans 10.1 says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. He was crying out, Lord, save them. And I'm crying out today, God, save the people in the river region. They need Jesus. The world does. And the fifth is, you get a renewed heart, you just get a love for the church. You just love the church. I look at some of you and I think, man, if, if, if I knew you a few years ago and I, and I talk to people in the community and they tell me about you and they start bragging on you and I go, man, it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ in them. They go, I can't believe they go to church all the time. They didn't, even, they didn't even know how to spell church five years ago. They never came near it. Man, they were scared of it. Everybody made fun of them. Man, their life has been changed. Their heart is new. And I go, man, that's the redeemed life. First Peter says, now that you've been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Isn't it neat when Christ begins to work that work in you? And then, he, and then I think there's this word that we read at Resurrections. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He's God. He's in charge. And he's large. Back to the verse again. I'm going to hammer it till somebody's going to get it here. God, take us back to the words of the psalmist in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The hound of heaven this morning pursued you. The Lord Jesus comes and he knocks at the door of your heart. So right now, as Adam plays the piano, these two crosses are open. And there... I think you'll meet King Jesus if you'll run to him, run to the altar. And uh, there's some elders and friends that love Christ and just want to pray with you and for you and support you. But my prayer today is, God, would you deepen the resolve in people's hearts to obey you, to love you, to love and serve you unconditionally. God, give hearts right now. Change hearts in this service right now. Move people out of their seat right now to that cross of saying this is a fresh commitment, a fresh surrender. 
longing to have my whole heart fully devoted to Jesus. Second point of commitment is simply this. Would you surrender your heart to the King? Just say, King Jesus, I give you my heart. The prophet Isaiah had a word when he says, and you seek me and find me, or you will seek me and find me. And when you seek and search for me with all your heart, I will be found. This morning, I think King Jesus is calling people to his heart. So here's the parting word on this Sunday afternoon. Is do you want a heart that's healthy after him? I've asked Adam to do a song today, and Adam, if you'll just do the chorus. I'm going to ask you to stand. At any time you come to this altar, you can go to the crosses. But it's created me a clean heart, oh God. Give me a heart like Jacob. Everybody rise to your feet, but don't leave. This is our benediction of worship today. Let's worship him in spirit and truth. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. that'll be much more than a song I pray when your epitaph or your history is written it'd be she was a girl after the heart of Jesus he was a young man that pursued the heart of Christ he was a young Timothy he was a champion he was an older man and he loved God all the days of his life she was a woman that was faithful to her husband and she was faithful to Jesus he was a middle aged man And he pursued God early in the morning. Church, I'm just telling you, I'm longing for our church to be that authentic community of faith that people go, what is it? The crowning and achievement is one thing and one thing only. Let me say it. It's Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected and coming again. Jesus Christ is Lord. Put your hands together and worship him. Amen. That's it. Well, the King of Glory wants to give us new hearts. And Mark is not a one-time deal, is it? It's a daily pursuit. Bruce is hard, isn't it? This journey of following Christ, it takes every bit of the man and every bit of the woman and every bit of the boy and the girl. But it's the only life I know that's worth it. And the rewards are out of this world. King Jesus, come again. Amen.